Enter now the age of apocalypse, Shuga, with your hosts, Dayspring and Scott Free. Xavier is dead. Apocalypse reigns. This is the age of apocalypse. Welcome to Power of X-Men Apocalypse, the podcast where we review every single issue of the classic reality-warping, high-octane, epic X-Men crossover event known as Age of Apocalypse. I am your co-host, Dayspring. And I am the worst Summers brother after Adam X, Mr. Scott Free. <laughs> Stop it. Adam X is the best Summers brother. Like what Trash the fuck Summers brother. You? trash summers brother he's not trash summers brother. it's not his, listen it's not his fault he's like this himbo from another galaxy who has no fucking clue what's going on he's got extreme powers <laughs> <laughs> wait we haven't aired this episode yet but the one we the last issue we reviewed with jason aluccino nerd alert when he's falling down when extreme is falling down the cliff and he like grabs his hat because he's got to have his backwards hat otherwise people won't know who he is i love that scene so much uh what a bro moment (laughs) (laughs) oh oh i'm sorry who's on the podcast today I, i think i heard a couple voices there we have an entire council of folks to talk not only about legion quest one because we're finally there but also trial of magneto it's it's here it's done we're gonna talk about it (laughs) (laughs) returning is Ascani's son he hath risen everyone good to be back we also got hall of femme petra old lady wanda in the house today (laughs) hardly old lady wanda and we have geeky jp hey everybody how's everyone doing tonight great i'm glad trial of magneto is over yeah, i mean i'm in a, there in we even call it that <laughs> i feel that trial of magneto has been so contentious amongst everyone all the stands and I just want to say that I hated Trial of Magneto up until we talked to Leah Williams, because I thought, Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, she was so lovely to us. So wonderful. She was she was a great guest. Um, great to talk to. And yeah, I, I wasn't feeling it before we spoke to her uh, either. I mean, like the, the kaijus, the just like weird stuff going on that didn't seem to make any sense uh but she kind of put us in like a better ish place with it because she's so smart and articulate and she knew the kind of story she wanted to tell and she's talked about this on like other podcasts before where it's more editorial that kind of comes in and starts cushioning things but the kaiju stuff pissed me off so much and i've talked about this with ascani sun and hall of femme because that shot a wasp saying we'll fight to our last stand (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fuck you, Wasp. This entire situation is your fault. That no one has yet called her out on. <laughs> no one. Um. And I thought she would. And Scott, we did not ask her that. We should have asked Leah Williams. Like, is there going to be a trial of Wasp? There should be. Yeah. Yeah. Who is worse? Hank Pym or his ex-wife, Janet? Oh. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, listen. In, in I think we know that answer. Yes, the answer is always going to be Janet for drinking too many skinny girl margaritas. Is Janet the new Karen? Oh my God, she is the new Karen. Shut up, Janet. (laughs) Shut up, Janet. Janet, Janet. bitch. 
No, you can't but, speak to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> so we've covered Trial of Magneto issues one through three on the podcast. We didn't get a chance to touch base on four because I had, well, I had it. I had the COVID. So I was down for like three weeks of my <laughs> life. But um, before we get into Legion Quest one, let's talk about Trial of Magneto. Let's just, let's just get into it. And Geeky JP and I have been talking for months about it. And he was here like, I just want to make the request. I want to come in and the final issue so I can talk about the entire thing. Meanwhile, me, Ascani Sun, and Hall of Femme have just been bitching about it. And Geeky <laughs> JP, please, it's your platform. Mm-hmm. Um, Go for it. I mean, I think it's a five-part puzzle box kind of structure. And the flaw of that is it won't make sense until you open the fifth part, is I think sort of the tension a lot of us were feeling to a degree. Um, and that I think is a lot of my frustration just because spoiler alert, the mystery is that kind of Wanda did it, but got lost in her emotions and got confused. Hence the mystery is roughly how I'd interpret it. And that is true to Wanda, I guess, but still so frustrating at the same time. Can't she get it together? Apparently not until <laughs> issue five. <laughs> People know my my views on the Scarlet Witch and the X Men, and I have complicated uh, views in in that direction. Um, to me, the ending was a little unsatisfying. Um, in that, like, it came very close to the edge of making Wanda a mutant again, um, but couldn't quite seem to take that sort of like step and undo some of the retcons that have been problematic, you know, going back to like the Axis thing and removing Magneto as her father. Um, And they came really close and, you know, reestablishing sort of the bond between uh, Magneto and Wanda, you know, the the great scene where we see Wanda um, and Polaris interacting and they they switch places in the the summoning circle. Um, That was all really good, but I felt they could have like taken it a step further uh, and just made Wanda a mutant again. Um, That was my big sort of disappointment with the story. The ending, I should say. Yeah, I never... I. I remember I posted a meme months ago with the, the Kirsten Dunst and Tobey Maguire where it's like, tell me the truth. And it's like, I captioned it like, Trial Magneto is not going to make Juan and Pietro mutants again. Yeah. The story from day one just felt a little smaller than I wish it would have been. And we know because it was supposed to be an arc in X Factor. It was never supposed to be its own miniseries thing. But um, I think Leah in so many ways said that she did lobby for that when we spoke to her. And she was told that because of things that are going on with a television show, that they cannot make Wanda a mutant again. So this is a direct result of what's going on in the MCU, sadly. But I, just, I feel like, though, <clears throat> um, when because I, I feel like a lot of us were expecting the end result was her to be reinstated as a mutant again. Uh, I know I've heard a lot of people you know talk about that that was going to be the big you know reveal that she's once again part of the mutant community and the thing is i get that with the mcu um, movies and the show wandavision that she's not a mutant i feel like they could still say that she is down the road because you know speaking mcu wise 
how she even got her powers was that her and Pietro had latent mutant DNA and that the only reason why they survived um, the testing with the, the um, stone is that it just activated their power, their mutant power, um, which they can easily just kind of then drive into the uh, comics again. Oh, Wanda's a mutant. You know, she went through the resurrection protocol. Now she's reborn again, once again as a mutant. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's still room to kind of reinstate both Wanda and Pietro in the MCU if they even bring Pietro back, variant or not, uh, as mutants. <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel that... That the title was was wrong. It shouldn't have. I feel like it, it should not have been the trial of Magneto because he was barely even in it uh, for most of the time. Um, I mean, they could have called it something else in re, in relation to Wanda without really saying it's you know Wanda. But uh, and then my thing is, where the hell was Pietro this <laughs> this issue? I mean, drunk at the was bar there still. Yeah, he's passed out. He, he's <laughs> he blacked out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been there since issue one he's not moved from under the bar he's just yep. done came in to get some uh licks in and then went to the bar and just blacked oh, out wouldn't that have been an awful like like post-credits type scene where he just like comes up from it what happened <laughs> <laughs> All right. what I exactly yeah. and then throws up <laughs> <laughs> oh man i will say though I remember, and I'm so sad we didn't get to do issue four on its own because I remember when we were DMing real quick and I was like, oh, praise magic, we're back on track. And you were like, I didn't like it. And <laughs> I just felt, not that it was like the best thing I've ever read, but it was like, oh, thank God they're correcting course again. It's not now anymore a big monster fight. We're finally getting kind of where we were maybe supposed to be. And can I just pat us all collectively on the back and say we were right about so many things? Remember, like episode one, we were like, she ain't dead. If she is, Magneto mm -hmm. was complicit. It's it's all got some higher purpose related to resurrection. Not quite what we expected, but yes, we were right. Yeah. And <clears throat> a lot of things. And I'm glad that in issue five, we got to see Magneto a little bit. And mm -hmm. he, we got to see that that little <laughs> moment where he's just like taking five and grieving. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we didn't get that at all this time. And I was lobbying so hard for that. And to correct you a little bit, and, and it was kind of a too little too late thing for me. But the trial of Magneto, there's a passage in there where he's just having his little private breakdown. It's like a man like that can only love through trial. Mm. And I mm. felt like that was that was more what they intended to be his trial, not mm -hmm. him necessarily being put on like a court martial, what they right. tried to do and what didn't work at all for yeah, me. Yeah, through trial and error. <clears throat> yeah, and it was it was him repairing in a way the relationship with his daughters through trial. So I guess Lorna got to get all her aggression out and you <laughs> Dr. know was finally Lorna Dane. <laughs> I know, right? With her beautiful <laughs> tower that hopefully survives the attack. But whatever it does, I mean, it's pretty, it's whatever. But like, even no, in that little ritual of. that they were doing, Lorna is trying so hard. And then Wanda is like, yeah, I love you. You're always going to be number two. I hope that's okay. I'm going to take you. Yeah. <laughs> <Get out of laughs> <way. laughs> I figured it was and because she wasn't like a reality warper. 
Right? Yeah. And Lorna was just like, oh, fine. It's all right. Whatever. Hey, dad. (laughs) I need a coffee. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I did. So what I really liked about this issue and it it really spoke to me was I like that regardless of biological status, she is Magneto's daughter. Mm -hmm. And I thought I didn't realize how toxic it was that they didn't have the relationship after access. It was kind of like, oh, you know, you're not really my dad. That's it. They, they have no more connections. We don't even see them share panel time for a long time. And that was really awful because regardless of that, they would still have those bonds. They would still have those familial ties. So mm-hmm. I loved it. You know, the scene with Lorna and Wanda taking, you know, swapping spaces. I really, I listen, I don't think Leah Williams intended this, but I think the subtext would be that Wanda probably has a stronger bond with Magneto than Lorna does because he was MIA for a while with her. I don't know. That's left up. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true in the Krakoan age by any means. I think it's really Magneto and Lorna, but I think historically Wanda and, and Magneto have had ties that surpass, you know, Lorna and, and Eric, but you know, that, I think that's up to the reader and I don't think that was the author's intent. I think that's sort of one of the cool subversive things that Leah managed to work in, though, mm-hmm. because she is a mutant in every other possible way. Krakoa considers her a mutant. Cerebro kind of considers her a mutant. Magneto considers her his daughter. Polaris considers her her sister. Magic considers her a mutant, apparently, sort of, kind of. Like, it's very thick on she is... And anti this biological destiny, which I think is a sort of toxic element in the current era of X-Men. This obsession about the X-Gene isn't necessarily a progressive mindset, I don't feel. Um, It's very essentialist in a way. And so I think this sort of status of Wanda being not, but also is kind of a good thing and the healing outlet in a way. Well, they've become very elitist with, with the X gene right now. And it's, it's you know, it, it borderlines being like the humans, you know, and, and they, they have this advantage over the humans because they're able to trade their medicines and stuff like that. I, you know, when it comes to, to where the current X books are going right now with, with the positioning of the mutants and the Krakoa, I, I'm kind of curious to see what they're going to do in the next chapter in Destiny of X. Let's see. I, I really do think this book was so focused on rehabilitating Wanda in front of the mutants and Geeky JP, you asked that question to Leah. Thank you so much for that. But, you know, I think at the end, the, the ending felt a little too strung together. The, the bit with Exodus didn't exactly sit right with me just based on the character's history like this is a 900 year old crusader who uh, has been shown through about 25 years of x-men comics to hold grudges and to have very strong beliefs and the sort of kumbaya campfire moment um was very out of character uh, from the perspective of Exodus. Um, I do think to tie everything sort of back together, it was, you know, Magneto does treat Wanda, who is now apparently his adopted daughter, as his daughter. And it tied in very nicely with the sort of North Star coda at the end, uh, where John Paul and Kyle learn that. Um, North Star's deceased adopted daughter, Joanne, 
who very famously uh, dies in the issue of Alpha Flight where North Star comes out, was a mutant and has been added to the resurrection queue as coming back. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, ties together nicely that shows that like, you know, these bonds are stronger than blood and, you know, other things. I thought that part was so beautiful. I really thought that was, that was gorgeous. It was so well done. It's almost like the scene where, where North Star and Quicksilver were hugging each other. And I was like, wow, that's a really great scene. It genuinely was surprising. And I love, I love that she's coming back and that they were expecting it literally, it, it was really cute. I love the question. was like, we're expecting what? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Am I, am I still making dinner? I've lost the plot on this. I don't know. Are we expecting that? <laughs> Poor Kyle. Well, he's, but that's what we talked about in like our previous coverage, you know, it, it it didn't make some of the hijinks in between the first issue and this issue just didn't really make sense. Like, again, why are they going so out of their way to, to mask resurrection to the Avengers? Just don't take them to that part of the Island. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, and Emma has to come out in like a bathing suit just to distract everyone. Like just, <laughs> it's an Island. Just this part yeah. is under construction. They do it at Disney all the time. Magic you wear a bathing suit every day. This yeah. is not exciting to anyone anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and it wasn't a bathing suit. That was actually a, a new costume she was just trying out. <laughs> now. I love that Emma in the council scene was just kind of giving her the like, mm -hmm. like you just resurrection. You like this time it's gonna be permanent. <laughs> you like, shut you your know. mouth. <laughs> and, and Wanda's just like, eh. Like, Wanda's like, eh, I just framed Toad, so I'm gonna pick my battles here. Oh, Bye. Poor Toad. I but should have known that would come to, mm, because at mm. the, the first the first issue when we were discussing it, and I think it was you, Asconi, who were like, "What's up with these guys? That we haven't seen Toad in 15 years. Yeah, What's he yeah. up in the bar?" <laughs> and I was like, eh, "It's just two guys being sad at the bar." Yeah, that one's on me because it was like, "Ah, okay, thanks." <laughs> poor, poor Toad taking the fall. Mm. As usual. But here's the thing. So if you're me. It, if the entire point, and this is going to be me nitpicking everything, if the entire point was to, like, have Wanda redeemed in front of the mutants, she's certainly not redeemed in front of the reader because they just frame poor Toad here. And they, and it's not even like, oh, Toad, you killed Wanda. Here's a slap on the wrist. Bye. They threw him in the fucking pit, which is yeah, their, the highest form of punishment on Krakoa. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was just like, come on. And Wanda's like, what? No, I forgive him. Like, girl, that's not how it works in the court of law ever, yeah. you know, yeah. even in the I, human system. I mean, she's just like, oh, no, stop, wait. <laughs> and then, I, <laughs> and then they, they throw him in the hole. Um, I didn't mean it. Yeah, well, like, oh, okay, no. he's there. <laughs> Nothing I can do. <laughs> my, I, my favorite sort of hypocritical part of that whole scene is Steve Rogers, Captain America, is sitting there and goes like, oh, this doesn't seem like, you know, like justice. And I was like, Captain America is mad uh -huh. with incarcerating people for excessive amounts of time in a hole. I mean, it's like, that's the whole American justice system. Like, you know, get off your high shield, dude. I mean, it really muddies the story in a way that, I don't know, it does sit wrong with me. Uh, they have Wanda saying, I'm going to fight for Toad, but 
I don't know. It does sort of seem like a strike against her and also, in my opinion, a strike against Krakoa because it's just weird. And they have that weird line where Janet's like, well, there are different countries, so we can't judge their ethics. And Nobody asked I, you, Janet. I don't think ethics on the border is the thing, though. Like, restorative justice is beautiful and is the supposed driving concept of this series i would say so it's extremely weird to have the mutants then say we reject restorative justice there is only the law i i, I mean it's weird well there there's there's four mutants in the hall unless i'm forgetting somebody there's saber tooth mm-hmm. there's now uh nanny. orphan maker and nanny and toad and realistically the only one who um is who like really sort of deserves to be in there is Sabretooth simply for you know the murders and being like you know fully in control of his mental faculties when he did that because like Orphan Maker is arguably a child mentally uh Nanny went along with him and Toad is the fall guy and it's like it does sort of expose some of the problems with the Krakoan justice system when like, you know, you're trying to make an example of these people supposedly, and you have like literally sinister sitting there in judgment (laughs) while they're tossing a child, his mother and some poor schmuck who, who, you know, is the fall guy. Yeah. The mascot. The mascot. Yeah. Oh, and he was, yeah. Another one in a again in a room. This is this is back me since issue one in a room full of mind readers. Exactly. So yeah. that's my question. I'm guilty. So guilty. Please don't <laughs> check. I'm really <laughs> guilty. Just take my word for it. Uh, bye. But we talked about this in the other issues as well. Like, why aren't the telepaths doing the work? Why doesn't the Krakoan justice system allow for mental manipulation, clones, shapeshifters, reality warpers? And they have the assets to verify this. Why don't they like, hey, wait, what's going on with Toad? And by the way, sidebar, I don't know if it's because the whiskey just hit me now. I don't remember how they explained it that Toad would take the fall. Did they even explain it? I, I was no. just going to ask no. that. Was there even I don't a, think so. He just there even I did it for you. I, I had to check back. Said, I don't think they did. Yeah, because I don't think they had the discussion or even cue Toad in at all or mm-hmm. how why he would be why he would be the fall guy in this it just kind of happened you know he just plops down gets sucked in and that's it call it a day but like like the last time i remember toad and wanda interacting was in the vision and scarlet witch volume two series where he broke into their house in new jersey and he saw wanda and he was like ew gross you're so fat and she's like Mm. i'm pregnant you idiot and he's like, gross. And then that's it. You know, like, that's the last time I remember them interacting. And like, all of a sudden, now, like, no one's going to be like, hey, didn't you call her fat when she was pregnant and then like ran away? Like, why are you going to kill now in her honor? Why are you going to kill her now for Magneto? Well, I guess that kind of makes sense now. But still, I just, <laughs> now I get it. But um, I don't know. It, it just, it felt really weird. And it, and it just, it, it left a sour taste in my mouth for an issue I thought, really wrapped things up nicely and gave me some unexpected joyful surprises in a series that I just wasn't feeling like 
I'm also like the the scene with North Star and Kyle and Joanne like made me real. I didn't realize how much I needed that scene. Like I genuinely had a smile on my face. And this is probably gonna sound really bad, but I'm I'm not gonna lie. I totally did not even know what they were talking about. (laughs) 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 I was like, who is that? (laughs) But thanks for that clarification, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still confused about Proud Star like coming back. I'm not. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I my my sort of like thought process since Sway, Petra, um, some mm, other yeah. mutants who supposedly predate Cerebro. What did I do? Cap, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> dr- drink, drinking on the moon with Vulcan. Um, since they checks out. I, I, yeah, I I always sort of assumed it was because Sinister has James Proudstar's. DNA and Sinister was just blocking him from the resurrection queue, but because otherwise it doesn't make sense that they didn't have his um, mental imprint. I don't get it. It it doesn't. Yeah. I I think what you said, Scott makes perfect sense that Sinister was somehow blocking him from the resurrection queue because we know how that's how Sinister is a mutant is that he's been using his DNA, but it, it, again, I they don't have a backup for him. Like the deadly Genesis mutants were able to come back, and you know we we can talk about Darwin and Vulcan's role in that. But there were still you know a couple other characters that were still able to resurrect. I don't know. I I loved it. I think that was very cute that Wanda was now every mutant that's ever existed. You know can come back editorially. I just thought like you solved that problem with the resurrection in the first issue of Hawksbox. Yeah, I didn't need you to split those details. You could have just said. We have every mutant that's ever existed in backup already. But that's nice that Wanda gave them, what, 20 million, 20,000, 20 something? 20 million. 20 million, like, lost mutants. I think that's really, I thought that was really cute. And and that builds upon what they were doing with Lourdes um, when they were saying Mm -hmm. that, oh, she was lost to us. Maybe we can send a Cerebro back in time and stuff like that. So at least that, that jives with the world building. I thought it was great at picking up threads. I think that's one of Leah's strengths. And I was was looking especially at the Empire X-Men earlier today to sort of connect the dots. And that ended with Strange telling Wanda that she needed to do a greater deed to wipe out her sin. And then she's reading books at the end. And so that's sort of the thing I feel was missing. There's a line in The Tempest where Prospero says, I can't let the winning be too light lest it make the prize light. And I feel like that's the problem here. We didn't really see want to do the work still and so it just feels sort of like yay i fixed things but i don't know i know to be continued in the trial of toad (laughs) (laughs) i listen i love wanda i'm a crazy wanda stand and i i wanted this to be a big story and, and and sort of have like a really big scope there you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that's I, unanswered. I think Alicia from the XY podcast brought up a really good, interesting point about the timestamps that they gave us during the Hellfire Gala when she was murdered mm. and when she arrived to see Magneto. There was something fishy there. I think Jordan D. White brought up the point that Wanda was able to cross through the gates without a flower. And I, I was hoping that would somehow have been tackled. Is Wanda secretly a mutant still? And they're building towards that because in the MCU, when they finally introduce the X-Men, she will be a mutant. And then all these seeds would have been there all along for us. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. I just, the story felt, I don't know. 
I, I just like now that I look at it, I really did like the ending. I think this could have been done in one or two issues. And I think it would have been a wonderful final arc for X Factor. I think it would have been a great final arc for X Factor. The fact that it was its own series and people were so invested in it, especially during the time of Inferno. I just think it it just didn't live up to like something like Children's Crusade, right? Children's mm -hmm. Crusade delivered on a significant hype. And this sort of fell short on that. No. I think with that, <laughs> sorry, I feel like I can't <laughs> I'm just gonna drink now. Sorry, but it, it was just very a self-contained story, and I I completely agree that I mean this definitely should have been, you know, X Factor's kind of swan song, if you will, since you know that book came to a close, whereas Children's Crusade was kind of more spread out, you know, among the Marvel universe, where this was just solely a very you know Krokoan you know type of an issue. Um, but I mean, you knew I, I, I had a feeling that Wanda was definitely going to come out, you know, on top. I mean, she's really become the very popular character in the MCU now. I mean, she's going to appear in the next Doctor Strange. I mean, hopefully everyone's seen that teaser that uh, came out. <clears throat> but uh, it's official. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it just, I mean, this issue was definitely the better one. I'll, I'll say out of all of them for sure. Um, whereas you, know, you had a lot of lackluster moments and a lot of out of character moments. I mean, do we need to go ahead and go back into that whole Jean and Rachel giving her all those memories, but how <laughs> do they know? <laughs> but well, yeah. Yeah. Especially since Jean was dead. So there's, that, <laughs> right. you know, a B how awful is that? Here's this blank slate of a person in front of you, and you're going to give them the most traumatic events of their life. And that's horrible. Not they, her they, kids. And yeah, exactly. Oh, I would have. Oh. Go. go ahead. Sorry. No, I actually would have. I think it would have been kind of funny if there was a bit of a, like a, a Wanda slip. She goes, and I just want to apologize for that whole Genosian situation with the zombies. And then be like, what? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Well, you know what? And, and listen, I love I, I'm, I'm a Gene stand before Wanda stand, but I would have liked sort of oh. a beat in the story where Wanda would have come up to Gene and Rachel and been like, don't ever fucking do that to me again. Like of everything I try to predict in this issue where I or excuse me, in this process where I was going to go through the resurrection protocols, everything. I never thought you guys would have given me those horrific memories, you know, and make jokes about it. Being like, let's give her a best of real or whatever they said. I was like, damn, that was savage, Gene. But I think Geeky I, JP, you and I talked about it. Well, they they also the Avenger the Avengers didn't bring like um, some of her close like friends from the Avengers. Like it was like yeah, Janet, who she has a very complicated relationship with. Um, there was no like the visions there, obviously, but there's no like um, like Simon Williams, Wonder Man, who she has a very long history like probably a longer history than you know iron man or the other people who were there and it was just like you know maybe bring some people who have who like knew wanda the person instead of just like wanda the co-worker who was the scarlet witch um to the event um i'm also still unclear how uh wiccan got there like i know he's married to the space emperor now and can probably just like you know warp speed there but um he just sort of shows up and i'm just like <laughs> oh okay billy's here okay cool 
But speaking of Billy, did you notice he was there at the end with yeah. Exodus and, and he was listening about his mom? I, you know, I spoke to Jordan D. White back in March and I think editorially, even though it's unofficial, they do consider Billy and Tommy mutants. They are considered mutants. So I do like that they are in that or uh, Billy's in the in, with the kids listening about his mom with mutant children. I did like that. But I was I, like, why? Why are you there? He's probably so he's probably there sitting there thinking with that, that smile on his face. Finally, I can stop defending you all the time, mom. Well, what was it? Did he say like, did we talk about it where he had that one line in the series where he's like, he's, I spend like, all my life defending you? I would yeah. love to poke at that a little. Yes, honestly. poke at it, poke at it. Poke at it, poke at it. I just poke. found it as a Wanda stan who um, obviously defends her all the time and does that like she's never done anything wrong in her life thing. I just found it weird that he was like, you need to, I'm looking for the exact quote so that I'm not just talking out of my ass, but it's something like you need to take accountability for your actions. And like, I flipped through old issues trying to find examples of Wanda not taking accountability for her actions. And again, I would contend from 2012 on, like she's <laughs> crying, she's saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. She's saying, I take mm -hmm. responsibility. Like, I don't think she has lacked accountability. No, she's no. always been remorseful for, for what happened, you know, with the uh, house of M and she's always felt bad. She's always taken that on her, uh, that heavy weight on their shoulders. I mean, it's just, she's never, you know, not, she's never not taken accountability for it. I mean, it's always been on her mind. I mean, even when the teen X-Men were there and, you know, Jean, teen Jean, when she was just discovering her telepathy, even says she's constantly screaming about it in her mind, you know, about what happened to the mutants. So it's always there. Right. Yeah, because they wanted to blame Team Jean for reading her mind, you know, but she's like, no, it's like a neon sign. It's just there. Right. I'm sorry, it's cut just, you off, Petra. She's constantly shouting it. What they meant, and it wasn't very clear in the way they did it, and it's not, again, the, the, the handling of Wanda being, you know, she's, oh, she has amnesia. Let's tell her all the worst stuff she's ever done. That'll fix it. Or, you know, even now, the, the, uh, the theme of this issue wasn't that she wasn't, taking an, enough accountability for her past actions it was just like forgive yourself goddamn you it was they were all trying to make mm -hmm. her like let it go let it go let it go just like you know everyone from her old self to every manifestation of herself to her own son to even lorna was just like you gotta let this go even Magneto at some point is just like it's fine it's done like, <laughs> it, it was it was like the most aggressive form of like poorly thought out exposure therapy where it's just like just, just, let's do this in the worst way at breakneck speed throw in some giant monsters that are the manifestations of your guilt and three temporal aspects but at the end you're gonna come out fine we promise like in true x-men fashion it's just like Forgive yourself. Throw her off a cliff mentally. It'll go great. <laughs> no, no, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, it is definitely you know a self redemption story too for her. I mean, and there are characters that have done a hell of a lot worse. I mean, again, we're on the council know, now, right? And one who was formerly on the council, uh, it's like you know, Geeky JP, you know, says that he will defend Wanda the, to the grave. I will always defend Jean to the grave. 
I mean, she was the Dark Phoenix and committed cosmic genocide. And everyone, you know, forgives her, you know, because it's Jean. Um, but even her reasoning for having joined the X-Men was she wants to do everything she can to right the wrongs of her actions as Dark Phoenix, even though she knows she will never be able to do that. But she can live with herself knowing that she is fighting to do that. And there you have Wanda can now finally, you know, let go and say, I'm going to fight, you know, for mutants to, um, and I kind of lost my train there, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's just her finally just being able to let go and just say, it's okay now. You know, I don't have to keep this on me for the rest of my life. I just feel like editorially Wanda has been, absolved of what happened in house of M multiple times as we've discussed sure. you know and 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 i i'm fine with it i just i i now look back on the series and i'm like what was what was the point of this other than leah williams probably pitched you know this arc and editorial was like no wanda's so big right now and it's magneto let's just make this a mini series that's you know that, that that's sort of where i i land on this and and i Again, there were moments in this issue with John coming back, with Joanne coming back, and and even the ending, you know, even though I think it was the hokiest thing I've ever seen when they're like, let me tell you a story about the Redeemer. And she's like, there was once a witch. And I was like, <laughs> fuck. But I still liked it. I thought I thought it was cute. And but that's let just me get my guitar kids. <laughs> Strum a new song. It, it was a nice echo from the first issue where they're having this giant rave after she's like, oh, the pretender's dead, the pretender's dead, mm -hmm. but the redeemer is alive. Like it's, it's, it's just, um, it, yeah. it is this nice. The pretender what? name has bothered me. Like it upset yeah. me a little bit to be like, like she wasn't pretending, she didn't know. And right. so to, to give her a different name is important and special. Like. I don't want to trash the series. Like it has lots of good points, just not necessarily the flawless execution we want. Yeah. No. Well, I, I agree with you, Dayspring. I mean, I definitely think that she had definitely redeemed herself, you know, way before this. I mean, in the Children's Crusade, didn't she get redeemed? You know, that saying that that it really wasn't her fault at all of what happened. Uh, it was doomed. Yes. <laughs> so. Yet they still kind of kept but riding that train. I think what we're going to see now with Wanda, they're going to show that she's. What did Leah tell us, Scott? She was like, she wanted to set Wanda up as like an interdimensional being. Yes. Um, I think also some of the, the giant, what was it, the Scarlet Witch thing at the very end of the issue mm -hmm. might be teasing a Scarlet Witch solo series. Yeah um that Even might it. you know go so. into that um i think they're trying i i agree with you i think especially you know with the big push with her being in dr strange and in like wandavision they're probably going to try to push something like that and that was you know make her a nexus being or interdimensional being or whatever um and yeah, you know, I mean, they they lost uh, Franklin Richards, so you got to have somebody else who can be the wacky interdimensional being. <laughs> thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan Slot. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what I said to Dan Slot once. Like, I made a comment on something about Franklin, and it wasn't even a rude comment because I'm not rude on Instagram. 
And he DM'd me and he's, you're like, can you please not comment like that? You're going to send hate my way. And I was like, oh, first of all, first of all, it didn't say anything hateful. I don't even remember what I said, but I know it wasn't hateful. And secondly, us as readers have, we, we, we should have be given the opportunity to give positive feedback. You know what I mean? Or constructive feedback, excuse yeah, me. Of course. I get it. I, I get the internet and I get how it works, but. I was just like, come on, Dan, like, you know, you know, you opened up Pandora's box with that. Right. You know, I mean, it's like, you can't, he, I mean, you couldn't have seen that coming, you know, with that, uh, no reveal. You didn't no see that coming. So to sort of wrap up this segment, like what, just give like, like quick, your quick 30 second sort of views on the trial Magneto. Like final thoughts, you know, whatever. I think Geeky JP will need more. The people demand more from Geeky JP. Just sidebar. Th- th- 30, 30 seconds is a loose, <laughs> loose suggestion. <laughs> whatever 30 seconds are in whatever dimension you're from. <laughs> yeah, what, what dimension are we in right now? I, I get where it was going and I appreciate the story and I'm glad that it puts Wanda in a positive light. I just don't think that it needed to be its own um, ser- limited series. This could have definitely been in other uh, as a uh, connective uh, issue in, in the uh, X lines, uh, X, mostly X factor. Um, but I mean, I mean, I I'm glad to see Wanda really, you know, come up and, and fifth was the best. So <laughs> I think and I've, I've said this before, it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted. It wasn't necessarily the trial of Magneto. I had to learn to love it for what it was and to kind of find things to love in it. And at the risk of sounding super cheesy, I liked reading it, I think, more than I would have on my own because I had to kind of dissect it for you guys. And I had to kind of catch maybe the writer's intention or pick out where the editors kind of went in and, and, and tinkered with it and not necessarily for the better. But I liked honestly the most like the connections I've made with you guys over like mm-hmm. just dissecting it and, you know, throwing out plot ideas and writing a little bit of fan fiction here and there. And it's like, what if they do this? What if they go there? And then uh, honestly, just me being, we have a Jean stand, we have a Wanda stand. I'm the diehard Magneto stand. So um <laughs> I, I, I'm glad I agree with you. Fifth issue was the best. I wanted to see so much more of him because I think to me, he's just the bottomless well of just like what they tried to sum up in the two pages that he's on in this issue where he's having his private moment of grief. It's like, you can write so much more of him like that. Where, yeah, where they say he's a great man who's done terrible things. And I wanted to maybe maybe the trial of toad will bring us this in a roundabout way but um i made my peace with it being what it is and i learned to like it and appreciate it for the things that it did do and i kind of had to stop expecting the things that i wanted to see because there were so many signposts that i thought like well this is coming next why is isn't it happening? Why are the giant monsters now? Ugh. But it it just it it became something different, and it it set up some very important things. 
and I appreciate it for that. I think overall it was well done. I agree with you. It didn't need to be a five issue miniseries that had like the wrong name on the title, but it's it, it was a valiant effort. I be all end all. I liked it, and I'm I'm glad I got to do it all with you guys. Um, I mean, I think I want to stress overall that I liked it too. I can be very nitpicky, but it is very positive. It is very redemptive. I mean, I'm very happy for Wanda to be considered officially redeemed, I think. Um, and the other thing I would just mention is that I really appreciated the allusions to real world magic, the way she included um, the tree motifs, the bird motifs, um, the star of chaos, the wheel of the year, the maiden mother and crone, it all just had a lot of richness to it, I think, in the magical aspect that I really appreciated and thought was nice. Scott, what it, posing that question to you, your own question to you. My own question coming back at me. Uh, like a boomerang. Uh, yeah, boomerang. Um, you know, I mean, overall, I, it, was, it was a good redemptive um, story i think at times it fell into the classic wanda trope of wanda being a deus ex machina who is not really an independent actor and is just there to advance parts of the plot but i think the final issue sort of course corrected and put wanda the character back at the center rather than wanda the you know force of nature for lack of a better um phrase where she's just acting upon other people in the sense you really actually got just like this was the story about Wanda towards the end uh I mean my other stuff was just like nitpicky uh like could have used more Wonder Man um, <laughs> always um but you know the other like Exodus to me uh, like as a one of the world's three Exodus stands Exodus felt really out of character um but he's also a crazy 900-year-old guy, so maybe it makes sense his worldview. I don't know. <laughs> and um, ultimately, the North Star bit um, was really powerful for me as a fanatical North Star fan. Um, the Joanne story is really fundamental for the character. And um, to actually have North Star have a moment where it's not like sort of a bitter moment from his past so much where it's almost sort of redeeming what was a, a very sad moment uh, for John Paul and just to see it going forward. Um, it is something that I hope they handle with a lot of delicacy going forward, just because of the story around uh, his daughter uh, and the AIDS crisis and other things. Um, but, you know, we'll see if any part of Marvel handle it well, it's probably the X office. Yeah, I agree. And I wonder if Leah will be giving advice or sort of steering the direction on that. But we'll wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I think you all said everything that I have sort of felt about the, the situation. I, I do think, like, is this just one story of Wanda and the mutants that we're getting right now? And we'll see that continuously evolve, especially with the rumors going on with Doctor Strange 2 and who may or may not show up in it. Let's see where it goes. But, you know, I, I, I think she is redeemed in front of the mutants. I want Wanda to not be so closely tied to House of Ebb anymore. I just... 
She did her part. Mutants can now resurrect any mutant in history. It's just a question of where do they fit in the resurrection queue? Can I add something just really quick on a very light note? Um, I thought about you this spring when I saw this panel because I, I'm not a fan of Wasp. I know I know that's your favorite character of all time. But and I, for the life of me, I can't remember who's carrying her now. But at the end of the battle, she's making some comments about something, and the person who's carrying her is just like, ooh, <laughs> like, <laughs> face of like, I don't want to be here. And I, I was like, same, sir, same. And, I just, um, why was she even there? <laughs> I thought about you. I was like, yeah. But like she was saying something and it was something horrible, like, oh, we should we should leave. Like we shouldn't have even come here or something. And I was like, yeah, Janet. And whoever is carrying her is just making a face that's just like, I don't what am I doing? Why am I holding this? <laughs> like I, I just want to be very clear. I don't hate Wasp. I just think she's a despicable, deplorable human being who is responsible for one of the greatest acts against the mutants. And everyone wants to blame Wanda when it was actually Janet who can't hold her fucking skinny girl liquor. Sorry. Said no it. hate, though. Not, no hate, no hate look, though. I, <laughs> thoughts, thoughts and prayers for her. That's it. I mean, look, we've got, exactly. we've got that fly swatter hanging right on the wall. Ready to go. <laughs> I'm no, just I, ready for it. No, I, I have to just uh I have to agree with you, um, Dayspring. I, I think it's time that they need to finally just they, they they need to pull her away from that House of M storyline. I mean, for us it's been 16 years now. I mean, for them, I guess it was two years ago. I don't know. But it's just it's it's done, it's over, and I think they need to just finally just move away from that. Especially now with this Krakoan age where you can bring back all the mutants. You know, it's time to just put that to the past. Justice for Toad. <laughs> I know, no. trial of Toad. All right, Scott, what issue are we finally discussing? Uh, we are discussing Uncanny X-Men 320, uh, which is the start of Legion Quest, uh, issue one of four. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so fucking excited that we finally got here because I think when I first like read Legion Quest, first of all, I didn't read it in order. But then when I also read it later on, my big criticism was I had no context for it. I had no idea how he ended up in the Israeli desert. What the fuck were the events that led up to it? I had heard, you know, obviously on UncannyXPen.net, I read the bios that Destiny had appeared in Visions and stuff like that. I find it so satisfying that we've read those previous issues from where he wakes up in the hospital in Tel Aviv to where we're at here, because I feel like I've seen the journey for it. It, it gives you a little more perspective than going on uncannyxmen.net on Netscape Navigator. <laughs> and, <laughs> I can't believe you fucking read me. What's wrong with you? We are all dating ourselves. Oh, right? yes. because we yeah. all read this when it came out on Paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't have the remastered X-Men Unlimited or the hardcover versions when we were growing up. Elder, mm-hmm. mil- elder millennials assemble. Floppies. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. oh, so everyone, what did you guys think of Legion Quest chapter one? It was super 90s, down to Gene fainting at the end. I knew that was coming. I knew somebody was going to say something about that. 
This is not animated, Gene. Okay, <laughs> kind of having to re uh, re uh, reread it. Um, no, I thought it was a great start to what was going to be definitely an amazing uh, storyline uh, to come. And I like how um, how they engaged him. And I like how you know with the what I miss with comics now is I love the internal like thought uh, dialogue that the characters have of themselves so you hear what they're thinking you read what they're thinking and you don't really see a lot of that anymore or you or you know the box dialogue of like kind of helping the story go along you know um you know and with storm she summons the winds and cracks the lightning down upon legion you know it's just um but no i think it was very very well done i mean i i like the art um like geeky jp said it was definitely 90s um so and this was definitely you know for me dating myself that was definitely my time of uh i mean same same (laughs) so this is the sun rises in the east and that sun s-o-n and it's by scott labdell with dialogue by mark wade and art by roger cruz listen the opening shot with the narration panel saying the rules of nature don't ever bend like this or whatever it said. Mm -hmm. I was like, shit, they're really trying to cause a sense of urgency here. And I think storm in this issue really shine. I really like storm Mm -hmm. in this. She rules this one. I mean, she is a force of nature. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love the way she was rendered. I love, I love how she leads a team. I thought Legion was the biggest fucking dick to be like, oh, hey, it's not where are we? It's when are we? And do you recognize this day? Because your parents are about to die and you have I know. to save them. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Like, oh, what the fuck, man? Wow, what a blow. <laughs> so evil. One thing about, you know, that opening page and just 90s comics in general, I just love, you know, the female hair and how it's just so long and it just goes all the way down to their feet and it's just... Uh, it's just so, so fabulous. Just like, looking at opening shot with Storm. I mean, she's just so commanding with that lighting. And her hair is just like whoosh, right in the wind, like a big tail whip. Love okay, it. but my only criticism on the hair is that Betsy's hair, which they made such a point oh. of in early issues that she chopped it all off because she yep. had her eat, pray moment. Scott knows because I bitched about this already. And, it's and so back. inconsistent. And it's back. That's it. But some shots, it looks like she doesn't even have the long hair. But oh, it's a short hair. I wanted but to like, ask when did Betsy become a gold team member? I was confused. She has yeah, a bob at, now. Yeah, because look at this shot right here. It looks like her hair is long and she's going over her shoulder down to her front. Yeah. So. And Gigi JP, you brought up that really valid point. I was like, why is Psylocke here? Like, did she just go on a field trip with the gold team? Because I, the True. lead up. The only thing I can say to this, Geeky JP, is that she and Warren's romance finally came into fruition for the first time in the lead up to Legion Quest that I guess they just thought editorially she has a new haircut and she's going to be absent from the Age of Apocalypse. So, like, might as well just throw her in for a last, like, hurrah. Mm. Yeah, you're right. She really wasn't. uh, She wasn't in the Age of Apocalypse. I wonder why they left her out. She she would come back in the tenth anniversary. Right in her absence. I'm just yeah, I just forget. <laughs> but she ain't, 
That's it. Like she, once we're done with Legion Quest, bye Betsy. We're not going to be yeah, talking right. about her for like I don't know how many weeks, Scott. But like we have to savor our Betsy moments and her haircut right now because until she's just, Prime. Yeah, she's gone until yeah until we we see her come back. Yeah, um, I mean she. I forget. Is she? No, she's not in it as. Um, that's right. She doesn't reappear in the Edge of Apocalypse until the tenth anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff, yeah. and you don't even see her um, in like her original body on the right. Human High Council or anything. Um, this issue continues uh, my least favorite Bobby Drake trend, which is Bobby is the most inconsistently drawn X Men of the era. Um, in one issue, he's a blonde twink. Uh, <laughs> in another one, he looks like a 35 year old who chain smokes and a lot of stubble. Um, in this one, he's sort of like brown haired, kind yeah. of. It's just like they hadn't settled on like a consistent style for Bobby. And this is like really me being like weirdly nitpicky, but um, the past like successive issues that uh dayspring and i have read like bobby is depicted wildly different in each issue and it's like just just give the poor boy some like clarity just like like settle on something um this is also a uniform that he only wears for like three or four issues and it's never see it again yeah so, they kind of give him the more most boring uniform in this issue yeah, uh, this is like the age of like his like '90s blue and white thing, mm-hmm. and he's just like, okay, here's some random ass blue thing that was in the back of my closet. It's laundry day, um, <laughs> so like the art isn't like completely consistent across the whole X line, yeah. um, which we saw with Psylocke, uh, you know, coming back from her Sinead O'Connor moment <laughs> and um, <laughs> her hair again yeah um overall this this is true it's a good start to legion quest um like it's it's a little jarring if you're not familiar with like what's going on because it's like why are they in the negative why is legion like up and around why is legion's mom like oh hey don't nuke my son um uh, yeah I love how she's like, we're not doing anything. Like, we're not even going to talk about nukes. Understood? And, like, the, the, the general's like, yes. Like, it, 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 it's almost like there is no, there was no thought. It, it, it's just the familial ties that are guiding this force here. You know what I mean? And I was just like, no, this is, like, a state of emergency here. Like, you got you to gotta take care of the people before. But, um, listen, I really like this issue. I mean, my overall feel with the Age of Apocalypse stuff that we've read so far, Scott, is put your brain in a drawer and really just enjoy it. And and I guess maybe I'm a little bit more lenient because I did read this when it came out. And I'm just going to have a soft spot. This is why I fell in love with X-Men. And we're, we start in the thick of it. We don't know what the fuck is going on. We get the flashback scene. And the art is cool. I just, I don't know. I love it. That's, that's where I, I'm going to end there. I, I love how the issue begins with them confronting him head on. And then it goes back to how they get, how they get there. And then it goes back uh, to um, them confronting him. I like that type of story uh, narrative. Um, 
I do have to say though, I mean, I mean, everyone looks great. I mean, save for, you know, I, I agree with Bobby, but looking at kind of looking at this issue, I feel like Storm was like to, you know, Gina and Betsy, all right, girls, lip injections on me before we head out <laughs> to battle, you know, because oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> their lips are nice and plump. <laughs> and so like shaded and highlights yes. <laughs> and the crosshatch. There's a lot happening. And there's so many close-up shots of just like the one eye and the mouth. Yeah. Manny yeah. pennies on me, girls. Let's go. <laughs> um, but you know who also looked really hot in this issue? Legion himself. Which I've never thought the characters well, no, I thought in Age of X, the Mike Carey one, he looked oh, really yeah. he was one of the Force Warriors. I thought he looked really like I was like, Yas. But like here, I'm like, Yas, look at him. You know, he plucked his eyebrows. I mean, he, he kind of looks eyebrows. like you there, Dayspring. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll take that. Yas. <laughs> um he's, he's the only He's the only person that come out of like a two year coma and just look, you know, like I mean, like great. He's ready to go, right? That, that that hair is just infallible. I I don't know how he does it, but it's that's uh I mean, some uh some it's nice the, like a it's the new beauty regime. Oh, you look so great. What did you do? <laughs> two year coma. You should try uh, it. Yeah. Uh, oh, clearly, well, I'll help you with it. Clearly, <laughs> did not get Charles's hair gene either. <laughs> um, <laughs> He did get his eyebrows, though. He's got those, like, judgy eyebrows going on. Oh, you're right. And I forgot who was the one who said this. Oh, God, I'm trying to remember. I'm so sorry. But um, someone said... They'll the tell Legion, you. The Marvel Legends Legion figure is based off of the same head they did for Xavier. And I really like that. Uh, oh. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. here's another panel where he looked really cute. I was like, yes. He's good... got like Akira vibes in this way. Yeah. Doesn't he look like Tetsuo from Akira where he's just like, reality, <laughs> who cares? The, um, it off. Yeah, the, I just think, I think SeanCody.com, but I'm sorry, go continue. <laughs> <laughs> this, as, as, a, as a sidebar, this is like the third episode in a row where we've had a Sean Cody reference. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Did we? Wait, I don't remember the other Sean Cody references. Uh, it's it's usually a reference to Bobby. Okay, I mean. oh, okay yeah, yeah. SeanCody.com, um, Legion and Bobby, with yeah. with um with Patsy Walker's "I Want Your Cray Cray" playing in the background. <laughs> so this is the first time I read this in English, and it, it it dawned on me. I, I oh. like read it. I read the whole arc in German, and I I said this before real quick that this intro was in German and you have to take my word for it one of the hokiest things I've ever read and there was a moment where I realized it was like there's no way there's 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 no way because they made it almost sound like a bible verse like like there goeth storm blah 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 and it was just like the that makes no sense whatsoever and it sounds so poetic in English and it, it almost is that thing that Iron Man did, the first Iron Man, where it's that like skip start, where it's like, here's the, oh, here's a nuke, don't question it. And here's how we got there. Like it did that like right in and then they unspool it back to catch back up at the end. And as annoying as I find that in movies now, because everybody does it now, I found that worked so well because I had not read anything i barely i did not know at that point 
that Charles Xavier had a son named David. I didn't know who Gabriel Haller was. I had, it, it didn't connect to me because I'd, I'd not read up at that point. And I was like, okay, we're just going to run with this. Oh, okay. And I didn't question it because everybody's got a hidden kid somewhere and everybody has, but at this point, everyone's related to everybody. I've just accepted that. But it was just like this, okay, we're in a big fight. This is a big problem. And like, this guy doesn't seem to care that he's being attacked by some of the most uh, uh, powerful X-Men that we've come to know so far. And like, honestly, Bobby in his uniform for the longest time, I didn't know who that was. I was like, I, was like, I, was like I, didn't, it didn't occur to me at the time. And this is me at like age, what I want to say like 13, 14, maybe. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is because I expected him to be ice like all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was just like, uh, that just, I don't know who that is. I hope they're going to tell me at some point. <laughs> <laughs> like now it made more sense, but maybe it was because he was drawn to inconsistently. Cause I, I remember reading it and not knowing who that dude in blue was. I was like, have we seen this guy before? Cause I knew Bishop from, you know, from the, the animated show. Like I, I knew who that was and I knew who, uh, yeah, of course, you know Storm, you know Jean, because they all kept their same uniforms. But I don't know, like I don't know that I'd ever seen Bobby Drake in anything but Ice. I listen. I'm going to be in the minority here. I really liked Iceman in this issue. First of all, when he made that Twilight Zone reference, and Bishop no, was like, him. "He's here, like, what the fuck was that?" And I, I loved, I loved how he looked. I did like that uniform quite a bit. I think I'm in the minority here, unless Kiki JP, you, uh... <laughs> you are. Just <laughs> like it. I just didn't know who it was. You're like, I don't know who that is. It's okay. I mean, he's. I don't know him. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Kiki JP, what did you think? I mean, like I said, I felt like it was very. I thought it was Andy Kuber in terms of us saying we don't necessarily love him. I did not recognize it was not him on art. I thought those were Kuber pencils myself. And Mm. it just seemed like a blast from the past in high 90s, the big hair, the big muscles. We don't have so many pouches. That's a cool thing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But... um, I mean, the thing that stood out to me, I guess, is that it's Legion's power is definitely being emphasized, right? Like Jean gets her pass out moment, Storm (laughs) throws everything she can at him and comes up with nothing. It's very much a sort of (laughs) we're against insurmountable odds kind of setup. I love that level of urgency in the story. I'm always going to be a sucker mm-hmm. for it. And I think we mm-hmm. see that the second when they land and Gabrielle greets the X-Men and Jean gives Gabrielle a hug. And although like Gabrielle being like so freaking dramatic here because she's here like, Jean, you don't know the half of it. And then like the editorial note, go check out X-Factor 109. Like we read that. Basically all that happened was Mystique tried to kill Legion and like, missed every opportunity to do it the logical way and then legion was just like okay bye and just like floated off so but i think we saw that you know he's in the desert he's injuring people and i really the scene with gene and gabrielle i like because i think 
this is why I do love Jean ultimately as a crazy Jean stan, which is she has a level of authority and rapport with other people that some of the X-Men just don't have. Like she can walk into the room and she knows Xavier's ex-lover and they hug and she will address her by name where the rest are just other team members. No, I, I, I get that. I mean, because I mean, really with, you know, Jean and Xavier, I mean, he's always, I mean, he's never kept her out of the dark on anything. I mean, even during the earlier years when he faked his death, she was the only one that knew the truth. Um, so, I mean, he's always kept really close ties with her. I mean, we're going to ignore that whole him admitting his love for her when she was just a child. <laughs> um, but no, nah, I mean, she's, yeah, she definitely has that, you know, strong will, um, you know, authoritative figure. I mean, and I've always, even then having read this for the first time, you know, I mean, like you, I am too a crazy gene uh, Stan, you know, and I've always wanted her, especially then to see her take, uh, take the lead. And because yeah. I always felt that she had that potential to do it. And, uh, and I always felt that she kind of got overshadowed always by, you know, Cyclops and Storm and never really had her do uh, until we saw her recently, you know, with the X-Men Red series um, and stories here and there. But no, nah, she, she was just, yeah, I mean, I thought she was just stunning um, in this. And I mean, any for me, any issue that Jean's in is always gold. So, yeah. And I, I think it was, you know, in Storm, I want to give credit for Storm in this issue, because when Dr. Like Hessen or Henson, whatever his name is, is like, Henson. why are the X-Men here? Storm is like, this is a mutant problem. You know what I mean? Like, it, and we're here, we're equipped. You tell here. me. Yeah, mm -hmm. you tell me. We were, we were summoned by your boss, you know, to come here. And I really, I just, I thought the way that the team dynamics just like played out, like, like Gene being a little bit more of a heart and soul, Storm being like the, the leader who just sets like the bar. I also thought that like, and God, this is just holes in my reading and understanding of like 80s X-Men. Does, does, did Legion and Betsy know each other? They must have, because in this issue, they talked as if they knew each other. I can't did remember I when they interacted. I think, I think Betsy fought Legion in the 80s, but I don't think she was in Psylocke's body yet. That's the one... But, He's not like yeah. Betsy. You look a little different here. Yeah, you're you're Asian now. So like, <laughs> like um, problematic uh, shit is this? Yeah, uh, I, I I they have definitely interacted before, but I don't think she was in uh, Canon's body at that point. So editorial oversight. Um, I I did find it interesting that Charles himself doesn't show up. Um, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't appear I think until issue two or three of Legion Quest and it's just like okay go deal with my son who uh, is one of the most powerful mutants in the world is a psychic I one of the other most powerful psychics in the world will stay here in Westchester and just hold down the fort Wait, he, he, did this. he did that before in one of our issues where he told Bishop clean up the mess you didn't make I'm leaving now bye literally Xavier is the worst with everything sorry I cut you off it's got a son to rant about Xavier no I was gonna say I mean he does appear kind of in this in that in this issue at the very end where he's talking to Gene um 
there, but I mean, he doesn't do anything really. I mean, it's just him trying to figure out what's going on. And she tells him about what happened to the, uh, the, the rest of the team, how they got pulled into this time vortex, if you will. And then that's, that's pretty much it. But yeah, I, he's, Xavier has always had, that's been that shady. Okay. But here, kind of here, here's how this issue would have been resolved. If Xavier showed up Legion, don't go into the past to try to kill Magneto. I love you. You're my son. That won't solve anything for me. Magneto. Whatever, like it or not, dad, it's not a fave. But you, you know, know I, that I think in a perfect role, he probably would have, but I feel like the way Xavier, I push comes to show. I feel like he probably would have done something kind of close to what he did to Magneto by shutting his mind down, but enough where, you know, he wasn't going to cause an onslaught situation, but I don't know. Yeah, no, Eric, they're just following orders. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it was one of those things where I was like, to to piggyback off of what you just said, Scott, like, he should have been there. He really should have yeah. been president for that. Oh, and then we, we smash cut to his uh, space booty call. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, former, my God, yeah. Former space booty call. Um, the uh, Magistrix of the Shi'ar Empire. Um, and um, this, this always gets me because, uh, Gladiator is, uh, Gladiator is one of those characters who's, who's super, super powerful. And whenever there's like space stuff or cosmic stuff, they always have Gladiator, they always have the shit beat out of Gladiator just to show how like big the threat is. It's, it's like in DC when Captain Adam explodes. That's Captain Adam's whole thing. It's like he explodes. That's to show how serious the threat is. You bring in Gladiator, who's this like godlike Superman figure, and just like the, the keeper of the crystals just like throws him through the wall. And it's like, oh, I guess it's serious. Um, I guess I got to get out of my water bed or whatever she's sleeping in and like deal with the situation. It is the 90s. <laughs> Do you guys remember going through like Sears or JCPenney and jumping on like all the mattresses to see which one was a waterbed? <laughs> no? Okay, well that was, that I, was a I, big I feel, thing here. I was just saying, I feel like that's a very like Florida thing. <laughs> <laughs> we used to, my cousin and I, we used to jump on all the mattresses to see if it was a waterbed. But anyways, I agree, she's sleeping on a waterbed. Like, no doubt Lalandra is on a waterbed right here. Mm -hmm. But the only time that I saw, like, and I agree with you, Scott, I think that what you said really makes sense editorially because he's a guardian, what's his name, Jaff? Jaff? Jaff, mm -hmm. Jaff is a guardian of the Emkron <laughs> crystal. Why would he just smash his way through the Imperial Guard? And, like, why wouldn't he just be like, hey, there's a knock happening right now. Yeah, knock. Hey, you guys know me. You know, I'm your elected you official here who cards the, the, the Mcron crystal. Shit's going down. We need to assemble. Oh, maybe if, even if I have the power to take down Gladiator, we're going to need Gladiator to be at 100%. Because it's 90s comics and you have to have, you know, action in every single thing. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, what do you I'm sorry, Gladiator. It's, it's dramatic. <laughs> I'm going up. Excuse me. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it just, what do you think, Geeky JP? Um, I mean, it's the Worf effect. In Star Trek, you do the same thing to Worf because he's the most badass, but when he gets his ass kicked, the shit has hit the fan. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't love Gladiator that I feel like 
tender for him or anything, <laughs> but it, it's unfortunate. <laughs> um, it, it happened. Jeff, I think I remember from the original Phoenix story, right? Yeah. When he's mm-hmm. the uh, Banshee loses his voice defeating him, I think, originally. Um, but yeah, I guess it's all, it's all about the drama. Very yeah. 90s. Like I said, it's grim, it's gritty, and we need shading and action. And, and mm-hmm. But there's also so much heart. And there, the, the scene I'm trying, I'm flipping through the issue right now, but there's a scene between Gene and Legion where I kind of just stopped and I was like, I felt that. And it's something to the effect of where Gene is like, listen, Legion, you've come a long way on your own. Um, no, one's, no, no one here is against you. And here it is. She goes, Legion says, you have something to say to me, speak, speak, but watch your tone. I'm not crazy, you know, not anymore. And Gene says, no one's saying you are, David. You've obviously come a long way on your own. You're no longer a cluster of squabbling personality and voices. You've pulled yourself together. Okay, that part was really harsh. Like that, that was, <laughs> Geeky JP, that reminds me of what you said about Jean, where it's like, Jean's a nice one, but if you push her, she's going to be a little bitchy, like how she did to Fabian Cortez in that issue of Sword. But, um, but she ends it by saying, and that's a remarkable accomplishment, but the truth is that you're not as healed um, as you as you believe you are, and and I love that approach there. I think you know I think Scott Labdell obviously is a is, is a writer that's very problematic, but I think he understood these characters in this in this time. I think the art kind of speaks to that in a way too, because I feel like the depiction of Legion is a little inconsistent panel to panel. Like immediately following that statement, he looks I would say very sort of young and innocent and vulnerable. And then immediately next panel, you get this reversal to where he's mm-hmm. kind of like harsh. Very menacing. It's... <laughs> okay, young, innocent, and vulnerable, SeanCody.com. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. <laughs> uh... they, they do not sponsor us, so you do not have to keep mentioning them. <laughs> Yeah, they should do their own Legion quest. <laughs> no, no, do not summon that into the world. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it's funny, as we're talking about here, because I was like, oh, a lot happened in this issue, but a lot really doesn't happen. I mean, the idea of this issue is just to give context to the reader that Legion is going to do something. And he's testing out the formula, you know, with Storm. He takes her back to her past. And he's here like, we can change the past, blah, blah, blah. And and then that's it. Then he pulls everyone but Gene. And I and I was curious, why wasn't Gene pulled from an editorial standpoint? Why Gene wouldn't be pulled into the past with everyone else, other than to give her the emotional beat later on? Which spoilers, you know, when the Emicron crystal is going to destroy the entire universe in the Age of Apocalypse, it's going to come to fruition. To have that emotional beat with Cable and Scott, I, I guess you know. And, I, and I'm looking at that, you know, right now where, you know, Storm tells Psylocke to jam her knife uh, into Bishop to connect them uh, because it's the sum totality of her telepathic powers. Um, but they had, but there's that connection with that. They're all interlocking with each other. And I guess, uh, and I don't know how Iceman got in on that, but I guess he just did. But they all just grabbed them by the collar and pulled them along. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, she's grabbed, hey, you're coming too, kid. And you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess just editorially, story-wise, I mean, they just couldn't have her, you know, going all along in there because they, they were 
you know, for her to, to do whatever she needed to do next. I, I'm trying to kind of recollect, uh, uh, recollect uh, these stories here. Because I, I remember that scene where uh, it's like Jean, Xavier, and I think it's Cable. They're in this kind of like weird contraption where their arms are in this thing and their legs are kind of, con- it's like, ooh. there's a a sean cody uh, situation right there (laughs) okay so if anyone who works for sean cody.com is listening to this episode please we are open to sponsorships (laughs) open (laughs) i I, I just felt like gene would have been able to maybe if she had gone spoilers ahead this is whatever 20 years old so um if she'd gone in the past she could have very quickly apprised past xavier of the situation and this whole thing could have been solved so the fact that they took the quote-unquote wrong telepath and and psylocke along who can't do anything to make the situation any less awful um it's That's just, the name of her memoir, have, The Wrong Telepath. Uh, and, <laughs> they have the most useless assembly of X-Men for this purpose, going into the past. Like, okay, Storm's powerful. What she's gonna, what's she going to do? She, we already know she can't do anything against Legion. Iceman? Okay, so he's there. Bishop, also we've established, can't do anything, even though he theoretically would have the right tool set, but he can't use it because Legion's just too damn powerful. And then who else do we have? So yeah, it's yep, Storm, Bishop, Iceman, and Psylocke. And like, we already know that they're not going to be effective, but I can see from this configuration that they're not going to be very effective because they weren't able to do anything up to this very point. And like you, with Jean going with them, you'd have no reference point for Xavier to like tell the reader what's happened just now. And you know, you wouldn't get to see her faint. I mean, that was very important to the story. And, um, and I, I think, and, I, I think, and I, I agree with what you're saying, uh, Petra. Um, I think too, because when they got sucked into the past, didn't they kind of go, were they all kind of like amnesic a little bit? Like they didn't remember um, where they, where they came from. So I feel like possibly Jean probably wouldn't have been as effective. Like she would have had some recollect, recollection and then going off what you said, her kind of uh, letting young Xavier know what's going on, and then they would have put a stop to all this, and then there wouldn't really be a story. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's a really valid point on all that. So, yeah, Gene stays behind at the issue and faints, and you know the the those X Men get like pulled into the past, and you know to 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 bring up the the note about Bobby because Bobby has actually played a significant role in a lot of these stories leading up to this issue. Bobby is just not in the right headspace right now. I'm, I'm surprised he was selected for this mission. I know it's a gold team plus Psylocke, but Bobby's still very much vulnerable from what happened with Emma taking mm-hmm. over his body and feeling mm-hmm. very insecure about himself. And the last time we saw him, he was with Rogue uh, in Montauk, you yeah. know, talking to his parents. And that was a very <laughs> oh, emotionally... Yeah. You think Xavier will be like, hey, gold team go, except for you, Bobby. You seem like you're having a really bad day. We need our A game. Here's Psylocke. We're going to have Psylocke come in on you. It just, again, Xavier being the worst. Just general observation. No. I get that. I agree with that. Take a moment to uh, defend Jean's fainting here for a second and just say that. She's been through a lot. Okay. And, (laughs) And just say that. As someone with incredibly powerful psi abilities, you know, 
it's cerebral. It takes more toll on someone. I mean, and that's how I defend her in the cartoon because she's literally using her mind. So therefore it tires her out a little bit more than anybody else using their powers. So there you go. So that's why. Boom. Oh, yeah, and I use my mind too much, I need a nap. Counterpoint. Bishop tried to absorb all of Legion's energy, and then he was stabbed in the brain, and he did not pass out. Because there, because it was very misogynist back then, and, <laughs> you know, and he's a man, so of course you can't have the man pass out. Also, Bishop's neckline is like 10 times lower than any of the ladies. I gotta say, he has like a Luke Cage-esque costume going on. Like that that zipper is way down. Hey, so, if, you don't, I mean, if you don't skip chest day, you just you show it off and you know. I mean yeah. no complaints from me. Don't don't get me wrong here. It's just like <laughs> while we're on the topic of like the dainty ladies passing out from overexertion and the strapping lad is just carrying right along but like hey you know he's getting his soul i mean listen once again seancody.com with lucas <laughs> oh bishop i i am here for this he looks i'm like zaddy i had such a crush on bishop and like this panel right here mm. like it's what scott said he did not skip chest day he looks great. Yes. <laughs> I bet he can do the Terry Crews thing with like the. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know he's totally doing that. <laughs> um, gotta, oh, gotta be able to see it. <laughs> does, does, does anybody have any uh, final non Sean Cody related <laughs> thoughts? No, I, I just think it was a great start to what was going to be probably one of the most memorable story arcs in X Men comic history. I thought it was perfect. This is probably my favorite issue we have read thus far this season, Scott. It made me curious because I had no clue what was going on in 1990 whenever I read it first. And I was just a lot. I recognized some people from the animated series. And this was just about when I started getting into the actual comics, aside from like way, way, way back from when I read the 80s ones that we were able to get. But I was just like, well, I don't know where this is going. Let's just see what happens here. But I, I thought it was a very powerful setup. And now looking back on it, you know, 20 years later, almost, it's like, yeah, it's it's peak 90s. It's not, mm-hmm. not as bad as some peak 90s stuff got, like rape pouches, rape ratio of, of physique and like all, all the other follies we indulged in back when, you know, there was no internet to call us out on our problems <laughs> but um yeah it was a really good setup and it was really like an interesting hook even as me as a relatively uninitiated uh, uninitiated person uh getting into it just making me want to know what was going to happen next mm-hmm. it did its job i mean i will just draw attention to the art again in my opinion in that it really epitomizes the 90s and that sort of shading and motion. And you really see color coming more towards the forefront in terms of that sort of multicolor aspect. Like this is when comics also were becoming sort of more glossier. And so it's visually exciting. And that's something mm-hmm. that's very appealing. Right. It's definitely a version of X-Men that we'll just never get again. You know, as we're reading these yeah. issues and you become nostalgic for this era, 
Like, it's just, it was a certain time and certain place, and the stories could be told a certain way because trade paperbacks weren't a thing. We, you know, the internet wasn't around. And I think there's something magical about it. I, I'm curious if I did not grow up on the story, what I would think of it. Uh, overall, I think it's a really good intro to um, Legion Quest and Into the Age of Apocalypse. Um, the art is both super 90s and super dynamic. Um, you know, if you look at X-Men from, this is what, 94, if you look at stuff from five years earlier in the late 80s, it's a little less dynamic than that. Or even if you go back just a few years earlier to like the Australian, the Outback era, you're starting to see it, but it's not as like glossy yet as this. Um, mm -hmm. But they hit all the right character beats, um, all this kind of, you know, from sort of Storm's 90s monologuing to Bishop to the time, time travel and, you know, Gene. And it, it, it hit all the right notes for me with all these characters and just sort of like, as I remember them from this, from reading stuff from this era. So all in all, pretty good. And, you know, Xavier keeping up the tradition, being an absent father. So, yeah. I definitely would have loved to have a storm moment where, you know, in the anime, she's like, and I shall meet you at the monorail. And then here she's yeah. like, I shall meet you at the energy dome. <laughs> you know, just... my, my heart really broke for storm in this issue, just to drive that point home. Oh. Because I mean, think about it. you have this one chance. You're not even expecting it. You have this one chance to go save the, the people you love the most mm -hmm. and that their death has such a significant impact on you. And to be like, oops, you were too slow. And I was like, what? I mean, that was savage. That was that really was, savage. That was a very fucked up blow. Yeah. yeah but... Whatever, dad. It's not a phase. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> Ascani's son, where can the folks at home connect with you? You can find me on Instagram at mbrower81 and or Twitter at mdbrower. You know what? Did I even get this right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you can take it from the top. We we edit. We edit. I gotta here. hold on. I got. I gotta. Okay. We got it. We got a SeanCody.com budget. We can edit. Hold on. I, I, that, that, that is so terrible. I don't. Okay. Here we go. All right. You can find me on Instagram at mdbrower81 and on Twitter at mikebrower81. Petra. I am Hall of Femme on every single thing except for TikTok, where I am Hall of Femme cosplay, but I don't use TikTok, so it's fine. <laughs> Geeky JP. I am Geeky JP on Instagram. All right. And Scott, where where can they find us? Where where do we hang out on the on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Scott Free. Uh, or you can probably find me passed out in the ditch. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say with Pietro at the Crocone Bar. <laughs> what a minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Toad? Where's Toad? <laughs> like, what the fuck happened here? He didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at Power of Expo on Instagram. I, I'm still testing Twitter. I think I'm getting a little better at Twitter. I know you can't go live on Twitter, and I think that's a, a big step forward for my my tweeting habits. Oh, you I mean you can with spaces, but please do not become a spaces guy. Wait, I don't know what spaces is. 
and that's good for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, All right. it's, it's like it's like Instagram Live, basically. Let's go Legion back in time before we knew that was a thing. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you're too slow. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, nope. Oh, it's a Johnny Walker. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week for Legion Quest 2. Well, thanks, Sugar. The Age of Apocalypse is now over, and we'll see you next time.